Good morning. If you're new with us, my name is Pat Lassard. I get to be the executive pastor here, and we are continuing on with this series, The Life of David. Um, we are doing today the second prequel. Uh, it's kind of setting the stage, setting the scene, setting this foundation for King David as we will uh, start into his character and that story starting next week. If you've been with us over the last uh, couple weeks, we've done a, a bit of setup leading up to this point. We had Dr. Sanjay here who did a, a marvelous overview of the book of 1 Samuel and Life of David. As well, last week we had a delicate message about Hannah and that story led by our lead pastor. Um, now, I want to I just kind of catch all you up with this story as we uh, kick off from chapter 2 on, uh, covering a lot of territory today. How many of you are familiar with Bible Project? Show of hands. Project, about 20 of us. Okay, this is an amazing resource. YouTube it. Bible Project, you got a question or you're curious about the Bible, about a book, about a character or whatever, they are amazing. So this is like pro tip, pastor, use this. Bible Project is awesome, okay? Everybody with me? It's so good, you have to look at it. Here's a video catching us up of where we've been, where we're gonna pick off after this. The books of First and Second Samuel, there are two separate books in our modern Bibles, but that division is due simply to scroll length. It was originally written as one coherent story. We're just going to cover the book of 1 Samuel in this video. So after Israel was rescued from slavery in Egypt, they made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai and eventually came into the promised land. And there Israel was supposed to be faithful to God and obey the covenant commands. Before the book of Samuel, judges showed how Israel failed at that task big time. It was a period of moral chaos, and it showed Israel's need for wise, faithful leaders. The book of Samuel provides an answer to that need. The book of Samuel's story focuses on three main characters, the prophet Samuel, where the book gets its name, and then King Saul, and after that, King David. And all three of them transitioned Israel from a group of tribes ruled by judges into a unified kingdom ruled by King David in Jerusalem. And the book of Samuel has a fascinating design that weaves the story of these three characters together in four main parts. Samuel, he's the key leader and prophet in the first section of the book, but then he also plays a key role in the next section, which is Saul's story. And it's told in two movements, Saul's rise to power and then his failures. And the second part is about his downfall and his tragic death. And then the drama of Saul's demise is matched by David's exciting rise to power. And then David's story is told in two movements. First, he rides the wave of his success, followed by his own tragic failure and the slow self-destruction of his family and then his kingdom. The book concludes with an epilogue that reflects back over the whole story. So let's dive in and see how this all unfolds. Part one picks up from the chaos of the book of Judges, and we're introduced to a touching story about a woman named Hannah. And she's grieved because she has never been able to have children. And by God's grace, she finally has a son named Samuel. And in joy, she sings this amazing poem in chapter two. And the poem is all about how God opposes the proud and exalts the humble about how despite tragedies and human evil, God is working out his purposes in history. And also it's about how God will one day raise up an anointed king for his people. 
Now, Hannah's poem has been placed here at the beginning of the book to introduce these key themes that we're going to see throughout the whole story. And then there's like five more minutes uh, of the video. So it's amazing. Bible Project is awesome. Okay, so we're going to pick up from where that's left off. And uh, I'm going to introduce you to three characters that we're going to talk about today. We have Eli the priest. We have Samuel the prophet. We have Saul the king. Okay, Samuel was Hannah's son, and as he grew of age, whatever that age was, uh, she brought him uh, as an offering to the Lord to give him to the Lord, and he went and was a student under Eli the priest. Okay, so we're going to look at, look at these lives here. Now, we're going to cover a lot of territory from 1 Samuel 2 up until uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and the best way that I see for us to kind of capture this kind of territory is uh, why I've called this message Stepping Stones. You've done this in your life. You have looked at good examples and you've said, I need that. I need to replicate that. I am going to do that. You've looked at bad examples in your life and you said, how do I do anything but that, right? How do I not repeat that? That was not good. That wasn't a good experience being under that person or that model, that example. How do I avoid that? And so you use them, these good and bad examples, as stepping stones in your life as you proceed in life. How do I improve? How do I uh, make things better? How do I grow in our walk with God? How do I grow in uh, godliness and in likeness of him? And so this message is called Stepping Stones. We're going to look at some great examples. We're going to look at some sad examples. Now, I'd encourage you, as you read the Bible, whenever you read the Bible, as you read the Bible, pray the Bible. As you read it, pray it. So as you come across this great example, God, help me do that. God, how do I do that? God, what, what do you want to do in me like that? When you come across a bad example, ask God, God, how do I not do that? How do I not fall into that trap, that snare, that temptation? How do I, is there any of that already in me? Show that. Pray the Bible. Talk to God about what you are exposed to and what he's doing in your life. And so we're gonna use these stories. Uh, there's eight different pictures that we're gonna capture of good examples and bad examples. Our first stepping stone, it starts with Eli. And uh, the, the stepping stone is this, honor God above all others. Honor God above all others. He is the priest and he has a couple sons and the Bible says they're worthless fellows. That's not a great thing. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers will be glad to get you one. That's not a great thing. And so this is the conversation that God has with Eli about his sons. Um, Eli's a priest. People are bringing their offerings to the temple where they're working. His sons are servants of the priest, and they would help people in processing their offering unto the Lord. And uh, by helping, it was taking advantage of the people and their offerings. And this is what it says here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. God's saying to Eli, 
Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling, my temple, and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? Why are you honoring your kids above me? And then the next chapter, 1 Samuel 3, I declare to him, that is Eli, that I am about to punish his house, that's his family, forever for the iniquities that he knew, it's key, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. So in this story, Eli does confront his sons. He does light them up. But God is confronting Eli because he's saying words weren't enough. So here's this sad example for us to stand upon, learn from, of going, God cares about us honoring him above all others. He will not take second place. And notice the familial relationships here. You're talking really close, intimate relationships, right? And God is saying, make sure to not honor them, even though they are super close, and you might be scared about what the consequences are in that relationship, make sure to honor me above all. Do the hard thing. And I think about this in the parenting lens and I think about this in the leadership lens. If you have influence or authority, wherever you may be, that God has an expectation for us to stand up for what is good and right and true and pure. And he confronts Eli, he knew what the problem was, and he didn't do it. There is a time where words are the right thing, and that's sufficient, and then there's a time where words aren't enough. You have to step in and intervene, or else you're enabling, and you could be held responsible for not doing enough. So, make sure to honor God above all. Don't honor your kids above God. Don't cater to them above God. Don't honor those that you serve or oversee above God. If you know there's a compromise of integrity, which is exactly what was taking place, don't look the other way. Don't hope it goes away. If you're responsible to intervene and restrain what's going on, honor God above all. That's our first stepping stone. The next stepping stone has to do with Samuel. And it's this example that he leads. As he grew up, this is what it says about him. 1 Samuel 3, verse 19. As Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let, let's see here, I gotta start over. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And we'll come back to that in a moment. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. They said, he, he's the guy. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Would you go back to that past verse there too? So Samuel grows up and God gave him favor, okay? And it said there was so much favor there that he let none of his words fall to the ground and then all the people recognized that he was the prophet. This is the stepping stone, okay? Let the Lord establish you. 
Let the Lord establish you. He was simply faithful with what was in front of him. Notice, he did not, you never read in there that he was going around manipulating, he was going around steamrolling, he advanced by complaining enough. That's not what happened. He was simply faithful with what the Lord had put in front of him, and God blessed that. And it says that none of his words fell before others, before the Lord, as God allowed his words to be truth that he worked in other people's lives and minds and he won their hearts where they said he's the prophet as he was simply faithful with what God put in front of him. Others around him acknowledged what God was doing in him and they gave way and they followed him. It's a simple step, but it's so crucial and you can't overlook this. In any of your responsibilities and any of the authority that you have and the relationships that you have, opportunities that God gives you, let the Lord establish you. You don't have to take matters into your own hands to do it by the flesh, to do it by human power, might, strength, ability, wisdom, understanding. Allow the Lord to establish you. Be faithful with what he's put in front of you. That's a stepping stone that we can glean from here. Samuel's life. There's more with Samuel's life. This next stepping stone Know what you cannot afford to forget. Know what you cannot afford to forget. There's a lot of things in life that you can afford to forget. There's some things you cannot afford to forget. This is how the story rolls out. If you're here with us two weeks ago, Dr. Sanjay talked about it, how the Ark of the Covenant, the Israelites were using it as a trophy for God. They were using God to advance their purpose. And God wasn't a fan of that. And so he allowed the Ark of the Covenant, the precious Ark of the Covenant, be stolen by the Philistines. And so as God had the Ark of the Covenant there, he single-handedly defeated the Philistines without any of Israelites' help. And so as, as they sat defeated, they sent the Ark of the Covenant along uh, as they were kind of holding it as a trophy as well. They were trying to use God too. And, uh, and so the our Ark came back. Samuel gathered the people together and he says, you guys have sinned. You have done wrong and you need to humble yourself before God. You need to serve God faithfully with all of your heart. And they said, you're right. So there's this repairing and restoring that took place there, okay? And then the Philistines rallied again and they wanted another piece of the Israelites. So they come at them. God creates this thunderstorm and he aids the Israelites in defeating the Philistines. Okay, so there's this beautiful victory, this restoration that takes place and then there's this moment with Samuel and the people. First Samuel seven twelve. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, two towns, and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. Till now the Lord has helped us. 
This is a stone he raised up, very similar to as the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, all that Egypt represented, all that the wilderness represented, and they finally made it into the promised land. They piled a big old pile of river rock stone so that it would be a visual reminder, a physical reminder of look what God has done. It's amazing. So he does the same thing. He takes the stone. This is the Ebenezer. He raises it up and says, till now, this is the symbol. Till now, the Lord has helped us. There are some things that are really important for you to remember and not forget. You cannot afford to forget them. What are those things? In your walk with God, in your journey with him, in your life with him, how you've experienced him, how you've seen him be faithful, how you've seen him show up, how you've seen him speak, how you've seen him provide. Till now, the Lord has helped us. What are those things for you? What are those Ebenezer's? What are those things you cannot afford to forget? When you face doubt, when you face temptation, when you face worry and discouragement, what are those things that you draw back on, those Ebenezers and saying, till now, up to this point, the Lord has been faithful. He has provided, he has shown up. I have to bank on this. This is who I know God to be. What are those for you? What are those stepping stones for you that you cannot afford to forget? The stepping stones continue on with Samuel and it actually has to do with his sons point number four is know that you only have so much control so he has a couple sons as well and they're pieces of work too and uh and so this point is really important it's really like speaking to the parents especially as your kids get older um watch Watch and see. Okay, 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 3. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his first son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Okay, now you had this contrast of Eli confronting his sons, his sons being wicked. And then you have this another guy, another great guy, uh, leader, and his sons are perverse and wicked and taking advantage of other people as well. But God treats Samuel differently because there's something else going on here. You gotta know you're only so much in control. So as you're people get older or even as leadership is your influence you only have so much influence at the end of the day they're going to have to choose God has given us choice it is powerful and it is dangerous he has made us like him in his image and his likeness and with that he's given us choice and as we grow up we're accountable for what we choose and as they grow up they're accountable for what we they choose We are only so much in control. I think it's fascinating that there's only one person God tells you to control. Self. Self Self-control. And so there's this kind of handoff of going, you have to walk it out. 
You have to live out the choices that you're making. This isn't about me anymore. This is about you walking before the Lord. And I love the conversation that Peter had with Jesus at the end of John. Peter's really concerned about another disciple. What's gonna happen to him? What are you gonna do with him? And Jesus says, you follow me. You don't worry about them and what I'm gonna do with them. Your concern is to be faithful and walk with me. You follow me. You are only so much in control and you are supposed to be in control of yourself as you walk before me. Amen? That's a stepping stone. You are only so much in control. As you walk before him, you're supposed to walk before him. Eyes fixed on him. Which leads to this. As his sons were pieces of work, it led to, it was really the catalyst for the people of Israel uh, wanting something different and leads to this next stepping stone of be careful what you want. Be careful what you want. So the people, uh, read it this way, 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 7. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Be careful what you want. The scariest thing for me in this is that they did not know that they had rejected God. That scares me. They didn't even know that they had rejected God. They simply wanted what they wanted when they wanted it. And their want blinded them from what God wanted. Your want can blind you from what God wants. Has it ever? (laughs) Mine has. Mine has. So, I see that there's a real tender, real delicate walk with our want, our wanting, in how we walk it out with God. My encouragement in this and kind of challenge for me in this is to check your want with the Lord. As you want, you will, I will, we want, we desire, right? It's part of us. he's, He's created that in us. Check in with him. Have a conversation with him. See what his word says. If you blindly follow your want, you can inadvertently, unknowingly walk away from God. This um, was said this way. um, I forget his name. I'm forgetting a lot of things today. Um, This great quote by this great guy named Tim. I forget his last name. Um, He says this. He's kind of a pastor of pastors. He says, a person who can't say no to himself, so self-control, right? A person who can't say no to himself values what he wants more than he values what God wants for him. A person who can't say no to himself values what he wants more than 
he values what God wants for him. What I think is interesting about that is God actually always has our best interests in mind. Short term, long term, and then like eternity, right? But you don't. You, you don't. I don't. You don't always have your best interests in mind. You may be making a decision short term, like right here, right now, I want this now, and neglecting the long term, okay? The, not, the whole consequences and the, and the domino effect of these choices. Or you may go, I want this later. And so you sacrifice maybe some really important things for this long-term goal. But it might even be a sacrifice for eternity. So we don't even have our best interests in mind. God alone perfectly has our best interests in mind, short-term, long-term, and eternity. So there's this caution. Be careful. Be careful what you want. Next stepping stone, finish, finishing strong is possible. Finishing strong is possible. This may seem like a simple one, but it's actually pretty rare. And so I wanted to bring that to the surface. It's possible to finish strong. So Samuel, as uh, he is absolving his position of he's still a prophet but he's not the main guy because now there's a king the people wanted the king you got a king and now they're inaugurating the king so he is absolving himself from being the main guy and so he gives a farewell speech in first uh, samuel 12 and this is the conversation he has with the people of israel and samuel said to all israel i have walked before you from my youth until this day here i am Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with? Testify against me and I'll restore it. They said, you haven't done any of these things. You haven't defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from man's hands. He's simply going before them and saying, you, you know me. I, I've lived before you. You know I've grown up before you, right? This is who I am. You've seen me behind closed doors and out in public. This is who I am. Have I done anything to abuse you guys? No. Have I misled you? No. Have I manipulated you or used you for my advantage? No. Have I taken anything from you? No. He finished well. Finishing strong is possible. And the opportunities that God has given you and is giving you or will give you, it's possible to finish strong. In parenting or friendships, relationships, it's possible to finish strong. You don't have to manipulate in order to get what you want. You don't have to use people in order to get what you want. You don't have to use others in order to climb or advance. You don't have to control. You don't have to fudge numbers. Finishing strong is possible. It's rare, but it's possible. How does God want you to finish strong? How does God want you to finish strong? Finish well what he's given you.
The next example um, isn't as positive, and this is where Saul enters the story here. A strong start, this is the stepping stone, a strong start does not mean a strong finish. A strong start does not mean a strong finish. So he had a great start. He's, he's really a, uh, when it's very promising when you see him. Uh, he is hiding behind the luggage. That's promising, right, as he's the king. He's a humble guy, right? He's not out there like, all right, I'm going to show you how. Um, he's a humble, he's, he starts out very humbly, right? And when, he, when Saul is made king, there are some people that come against him and saying, who's this guy? Like, he's actually going to lead us, which is a fair question. And he doesn't come against them. He totally could have. It would have been his right and his power to come against those that were opposing him. He even gives credit to God for victories that they had experienced. God's spirit is with him. He has a great start. It looks very promising. But then there's compromises that take place and some things get to his head and he starts manipulating and using and twisting and being more of a politician and it becomes a problem. And so First uh, Samuel 13, 8 says this. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. I forgot to set this up. He's about to go to war with the Philistines, okay? Samuel said to him, wait for me seven days and I'm gonna come to you, okay? So he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offerings, what Samuel was supposed to do. As soon as he had finished the offering and the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, greet him. It's all good, right? Hey, what's up? Glad you're here. Samuel said, what have you done? You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commands of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For the Lord your God would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Just because he started strong does not mean he's going to finish well. Because there's choice in the matter. And power, it got to him. And opportunity, it got to him. And he tried using God to manipulate the outcome. And so I'm not going to wait for God and follow his commandments, but I'm going to use God for my advantage so that I can get what I want, victory over my enemies in this situation. And so Samuel confronts Saul and says, you have acted very foolishly and it's going to cost you greatly. Saul says, what are you talking about? I just did this and I just did that. And he minimizes and he doesn't take responsibility. Samuel continues to light into him and eventually Saul is sad. He's sad that he got caught and he's sad that there's consequences to his actions and it's not favorable for him. And so what does Saul do? Well, this is gonna make him look bad in front of others. And so he asks Samuel, hey, can we leave together so that it looks like we're okay? before the people's eyes. He cares more about politics. He cares more about being right in other people's eyes than God's eyes. We may have a strong start, 
in whatever it is, in a relationship, in an opportunity. We may have a strong start, but it does not necessarily mean we'll have a strong finish. There's a lot of men and women, good men and women, that crash and burn because they don't keep their eye on the prize. They don't keep their eye on the Lord. And it's a daily choice. Life is very daily. I learned that from Nancy Brewer, and I love that quote. Life is very daily. These decisions and these opportunities, it's a daily choice to keep your eye on the Lord. It's a daily choice to stay humble before the Lord. It's a daily choice to remember he is the one that has got you where you are. He is the one that has been faithful to you. He is the one that has given you opportunity. Don't take your eyes off the prize. If you start becoming like Saul and taking advantage of that, that kind of flesh opportunity, trying to use God for your advancement, or caring more about other people's eyes and how they see you versus how you stand before the Lord and how he sees you, you're falling, right? You're falling. You're headed the wrong way. I think it was um, Chuck Swindoll who said, if you please the Lord, it doesn't matter who you don't please. If you don't please the Lord, it doesn't matter who you do please. He was becoming a people pleaser, and he, here's the deal. In the next chapter, it says the spirit of the Lord left him. And the dangerous thing, just like the people with the, wanting the king, he didn't even know it. His want blinded him. And he lost sight of the most important thing, God. And he stopped walking closely with God and he didn't even know it. That's a huge stepping stone for us. Going, I may have a great start in this or that. That does not necessitate that I'll have a great finish. I have to keep my eyes on Christ. And then it uh, finishes here with this last stepping stone, which is positive, okay? I'm not gonna beat you up the whole time. It's great. This last stepping stone is there is always hope. I, I love this section. This is a beautiful, powerful moment as Samuel confronts the people of Israel and said, you guys have been very foolish in your want of a king. And uh, they take it to heart and they respond. There's, there's a heart response in this conversation, okay? First Samuel 12, 19 says this, all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servant to the Lord your God that we may not die for we have added to all of our sins and just stay on this slide, uh, to ask for ourselves a king, okay? We have been foolish and there's been a lot of it and we know we've added to it by wanting a king, rejecting God and wanting what we wanted when we wanted it. Next slide. And Samuel said to the people, don't be afraid. That's encouraging. Don't be afraid. You have done all this evil. He doesn't take them off the hook. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You, you made a real stupid choice. Okay, that's for real. Yet you did not turn aside from following the Lord. Or sorry. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because 
it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for him. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I'm not gonna stop praying for you. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only, here's the deal, okay? You screwed up, you're right, that was a, not a good choice. Don't turn away from the Lord. Don't turn away from the Lord. I will still be there, right? I'm gonna still pray for you. I'm gonna still guide you. Don't turn away from false things and empty things that won't actually help you. Don't follow the enemy in all those pitfalls along the way of trying to walk with the Lord. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart for consider what great things he has done for you. And he calls him back to remember there is always hope in Jesus. There is always hope in God. God came for you. God came for you. And he came and he says, this is how much I love you. And he took on everyone's sin and shame and he suffered and he was rejected because of sin. Yours, mine, the world's. He says, this is how much I love you. If you will just come to me, right, I will receive you. And he continues to come. He continues to work. He is always at work, and my Father is always at work in John 5, 17. Anyone who comes to me must be drawn by the Father. He is drawing us by his Spirit, leading us to the Father. He is continuing to work and draw us to him, closer and closer to him. And then one day he is going to come again for all those who acknowledge he is Lord and Savior. There is always hope in Jesus. If you've ever royally screwed up, if you ever identify with some of these, right? Anybody? Anybody? There is always hope in Jesus. He is merciful. He is richly abounding in mercy because Jesus took it all on. Jesus suffered so that we don't have to suffer. He became the way, clearing the way so that we could be completely forgiven. There is always hope. And so regardless of who you are, where you've been, what you've done, there is forgiveness in Jesus. If you've ever royally screwed it up and you're going, man, I've been like that, I've been like that. There's forgiveness in Jesus. His mercies are new every day. This is what he desires though. He desires your heart. He desires your heart. I love that, I love that finish. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. He just wants all your heart every single day. What's the Lord speaking to you? What's he stirring? What, what resonated with you? What's God pointing out he's wanting you to focus on? If he's pointing something out, it's because he sees truth, right? But he also wants to help you with that. He doesn't expect you to do it on your own. He expects you to do it with him by the power of his spirit, which has to do with your whole heart being before him.
tomorrow morning when church is off your mind, your whole heart towards him. And when you're in the thick of the week and all sorts of crazy things are coming down on you this next week, your whole heart towards him. All your heart. That's what he wants. What's God doing? What's God saying? We're going to finish with this song that just really capitalizes on praising him with your whole heart, giving him your whole heart, surrendering to him your whole heart. Would you stand up? Let's sing. Let's worship our King.